Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. Third day since the conflict between Israel and Hamas from Palestine reignited. The confrontation so far has left at least over a thousand dead and thousands injured from both sides. As the crossfire between Israel and Hamas escalates, the shock waves from airstrikes and gunfire reverberate through residential areas. Among the horrified fleeing locals, Chinese citizens were present to witness the violence. Mo Ji is one of them. I talked to her on what she saw in Israel. Moji, thank you so much for accepting our interview. I know you have been uh, having a hectic trip, especially with the latest incident taking place in Israel. Tell me more about your trip and what happened. I was in Israel during my daughter's fall break. You know, we thought, you know, Israel, Jordan, you know, that's really with a great culture, history. You know, we are so amazed by everything we have been experiencing until the last two days. We thought we are already about to leave. Then at the morning breakfast, you know, in the in just in the middle, you know, the hotel, you know, guy just tell everybody, just go downstairs, go to the basement. We have no idea what is happening. Then I asked, what happened? The person cannot speak English, but he can type English. He showed me his phone. He typed, there is a wall. I was very, very surprised. But follow the crowd, everybody went to the basement, you know, then we just stay in there, see what is happening. But we can right. clearly hear the sirens. So what was the time when you were summoned into the basement? What did you hear after that? How long did it take you and others to come out? Actually, that was at 7.15 a.m. journalism time. So we heard the sirens just one hour after we went into the basement. Everybody followed, but the sirens has been released just around 30 minutes. Everybody went up, so nobody knows what is happening. Did you see ruins after the attack? Do we know exactly uh, where the explosions were and who made it happen? Or you only heard it through the news? For me, when I was just stayed at the center of the old city in Jerusalem, so I can only hear you know, the two bombs. That was around Jerusalem time in the morning, around 10 to 11 a.m., that twice. So we double check. It's not something from the elevator or something, but it was outside. It was nearby, but we cannot see it. When you were in the basement, who were with you? Who were the people around you? And what have been people's reactions at the time? What about you and your daughter? At that time, you know, it's all, most of the people at the dining hall is all like the tourists. So we are accompanied by the hotel staff. They are very professional and they are very calm. They just ask everybody, please, please follow the rules. Please go down. And especially, you know, our tour guide locally and also the tour guide, you know, from Shenzhen with us, they are very, very responsible. But they show they are calm. But I know from internally, they are also very, you know, worried about it. My daughter was didn't know what's happening. She's only 12 years old. But she said, is that true? There's a voice happening. It's very sad, of course, uh, for such a young age to understand uh, 
the decades-long conflict, if not hundreds of years, and also what it means to lose life. Having said that, though, what about the responses from the Chinese embassy in Jerusalem? I called, you know, the Israeli, you know, the consulate number. There is a seeking protection com- number, but that's a Saturday, so they didn't work. But the phone was directly transported to Ministry of Foreign Affairs. You know, they have a global call receiving center. So when they received the, uh, you know, answer the call, it was very fast. When they answer the call, you can hear the background. A lot of people are calling. And I know that should be people from Israel, right? So they clearly ask us, you know, your name, your phone number, which hotel you are staying at, mm. you know, your passport number. So it's very, very clear. So they took both me and my daughter's phone number. I called around 1 p.m. local time, cruise time. But I was very surprised. 2 p.m. local time, Hong Kong immigration called me. So actually, you know, I think Ministry of Foreign Affairs worked very, very swiftly. They contact Hong Kong because we are the Hong Kong residents currently. Hong Kong immigration, you know, they called me around over 30 minutes. Not only for all this information, they asked me specifically about when is my returning flight. I told Mm -hmm. them clearly, it is just the second day. You know, it's just August 8th. The war started on August 7th. Then there's a wage flight as a Cassie Pacific, CX676. Right. So I'm asking them, so is there a possibility the flight can still be there? They made mm. it very clear. We will try all our best to protect all our residents. I mm. was hugely relieved you know, by what they have meant to us. At the most critical time to be of your help and support. So the flight did take off, right? Even though it, there was a minor delay. It's not really a delay. It was actually leave early. You know what had happened after that? So it was 2 p.m. in local time. And around 8 p.m. local time, I heard from Cassie Pacific, you know, internally, they are making frequent contacts with immigration of Hong Kong. They decided, you know, whether they should approve, you know, the departure mm. of this flight. Then by the end, they say, we need to. But in terms of protecting the whole flight to coming back, they change the returning time. They do not want the flight to stay in Jerusalem for a longer time. Before mm-hmm. the scheduled time is they arrive in Jerusalem on August 8th at 7 a.m. Then the scheduled, right. the unscheduled time actually is in the afternoon, 2.45 p.m. But they move it mm-hmm. early. They move it to 9.30 a.m. So, you know, until 10 p.m. Uh, local time, I received call from Cassie Pacific locally. They say, we want to make sure everybody who has booked this flight, they can be on the flight. They kept calling. And around mm. 11 p.m., the Israeli, you know, Jerusalem consulate called me, asked, checking me whether I'm safe, which hotel I'm at, uh, give mm. me a specific number. If I'm you in mean any the consulate, uh, the, uh, in... the Chinese consulate in Jerusalem? Absolutely. Yes. I see. Then ask me if I need any help. I give me a specific local number so you can call mm. anytime. So I feel right. like, you know, I'm not, you know, at, you know, any of the worry at all because I know there is the whole country behind us. 
So good to know about that, even though it's such a tragedy that you witnessed over there. Having said that, though, the trip from your hotel to the airport was quite a journey, isn't it? Uh, at the time, not many drivers would be willing, uh, when there was still the danger of bombing, uh, to drive a whole bus of tourists to the airport. But you did meet one, and you were there. That was something before I traveled to Israel. Many of my friends mentioned, you know, the road. That's the number one highway from Jerusalem to you know, uh, to Tel Aviv. That's actually one of the most you know being attacked near high road. Whenever you travel on that road, you should be careful. Then I know even that would should be even serious. So you know, our tour guide, you know, we have you know collectively made a decision. We will leave early, so the whole tour left the hotel at five a.m. We got at four a.m. Five a.m. The road from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv is only one hour without traffic. We only took forty minutes. But what、mm. we would really thankful is the Israeli driver. He is so brave. And what is your takeaway from this quite a dramatic and certainly memorable trip? I think you know when I really reflect, there are several fold of things. You know, as a tourist there, I think you know number one, we see you know in the past two years, many of my friends went to Israel, went to Jordan. You know, it's very sound, peaceful, and you know, trip. I see them very enjoyable. Now I know it should be safe. That's why I there by myself with my daughter there. Then the thing is. We cannot neglect the unpeacefulness and the peace. So that's why you know everybody needs to know it's shaky. If peace without root, without soil, is not the real peace. It's not rock solid. This is something we always you know cannot ne neglect for any people who are on the Arab the you know peninsula. So this is number one thing. Number two thing. If we meet with This kind of danger, what we should do? Given my observations, most of the people, you know, they are just sitting there. They are going to the lobby. They go outside of the hotel. They go to the old, you know, city of Jerusalem, even taking photos because they think that's the last that they should do. So that actually is very dangerous. And what they are missing the most is they didn't turn to help to the Ministry of you know, Foreign Affairs. To report their safety, they、mm -hmm. I think this is very very crucial and important. The more you are asking for help, then you know the more help you can get. So this is and also you know certainly is we know China is a country with friends all over the world. You know the country will you know will certainly you know support the Chinese people. You can't imagine how Chinese people are here very welcomed. You know, by the countries I have been visited. So this is why you know, as oneself, you need to report your safety. Where are you and your daughter right now? We are in Hong Kong. We back. You already safely arrived. Absolutely. So I want to also mention to you, after we arrived at the you know the airport, you know, then it's scheduled nine thirty a.m. But when we were back to Hong Kong this morning, I lost one suitcase, a big suitcase. So I'm like, where is the suitcase? Then the thing is, then I understand our flight tries to leave the airport as soon as possible. 
The latest flare-up in the Israel-Palestinian conflict highlights the lack of enduring peace. How can Israel, Palestine, and the international community find a solution to one of the world's longest-running conflicts? Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines, this is World Insight. Welcome back. This is World Insight with me, Tian Wei. The fierce conflict between Israel and Palestinian armed groups Hamas have caused massive casualties on both sides and brought agony to panicked civilians. China calls on relevant parties to show restraint, to protect the civilians and to de-escalate. The international community needs to demand a resolution to the Palestine question and contribute to the resumption of peace talks between the two parties. China will continue to work with the international community towards that end. The only way out of the recurring Palestinian-Israeli conflict is to resume peace talks, implement a two-state solution, push for a comprehensive and proper settlement of the Palestinian issue through political means, and address the legitimate concerns of all parties. China will continue to work tirelessly with the international community to this end. So what's the regional and global impact of a conflict? I talked to Wang Jin, associate professor from Northwest University of China. Here is his insights. Mr. Wang, observing from afar, what do you make of the nature of the latest incidents? Well, the latest incident is a new round of the conflict between Israelis and the Palestinians. Uh, I think on the one hand, of course, it is a very unfortunate, uh, unfortunate event for the Israeli civilians because the attacks from the Palestinian Hamas and Jihad from Gaza Strip actually led to uh, large numbers of casualties of Israeli civilians. But on the other hand, I think we cannot forget the fact that uh, it is a result of the years of the stalemate, political stalemate between Israeli and the Palestinians' peace process. And also it is a very uh, result of the disappointment, also dissatisfaction and even anger of the uh, Palestinian uh, civilians towards the stalemate of the peace process between the Israeli and the Palestinian peace. So I, I think, see. yeah, of course, I think that is why uh, we should, on the one hand, from China's perspective, call for the ceasefire between the both parties, Israelis and the Palestinians, while on the other hand, uh, just as the Chinese uh, government pointed out that uh, international efforts and the international assistance should be there immediately to help the local people to stop the, the, the ex fire exchanges and help the local right. civilians. Because on the one hand, as we uh, can witness and we can observe from the news reportings that uh, the latest exchange of fire does still continue and also the, lead to uh, much more casualties, both from Israeli civilians as well as from the Palestinian side. So I think in the future, uh, given the fact that actually Israelis, they suffered such num large numbers of the casualties in the first uh, day and as well the first hours after this crisis erupted, I think Israelis' revenge will be very heavy and also led to much more Palestinian civilians as well as Palestinian militants from Hamas and from Jihad mm -hmm. will emerge in the future. And on the other hand, it is very possible that we were talking about this kind of the fear or possibilities that uh, the, this kind of the confrontation will lead to escalations, uh, further escalations, not only between Israelis and Hamas, Israeli and the Jihad in the Gaza Strip, but also that might lead to the further confrontation, new conflicts erupted in the Western Bank and in the Eastern Jerusalem. 
because mm. traditionally that we're talking about the 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 conflicts that are always concentrated upon this uh, the front line between Israelis and uh, Gaza Strip. But now uh, during the past years, given the fact that more and more Jewish settlements uh, are constructing in the West Bank and, and East Jerusalem, and more and more Jewish settlers they they going to the uh, going to the, the the territory the Palestinians in the West Bank. So that leads to much more distrust and the conflict between the local Palestinians mm. and the new coming. Uh, Jewish settlers. So in the future, right. given the, the the very new round of waves of the uh, attacks and exchange of fires between Israelis and the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, I think mm -hmm. new possible possibilities of new conflicts might also erupt in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. East mm -hmm. Jerusalem. So this is the kind of also the spillover effect in the right. Israeli and Palestinian relations. So this is one of the deadlock we have seen over the past decades, and many say. This is so unfortunate that yesterday once more. So the conflict between Israelis and the Palestinians, on the one hand, there is no winner. There will be no winner. Everybody is suffering. Actually, uh, this reminds me of the stories that we uh, and when I experienced my life in Israel many years ago. And when I talk about tech with the Palestinians, that uh, I ask him, okay, now you always launched uh, attacks against the Israelis. But then you kill one Israeli uh, person, uh, person civilian or soldier that led to maybe 10 or 20 Palestinians be killed. So why you did that? I mean, this is a kind of imbalanced threat. So he told me, he told me uh, very, uh, in another, with another logic, he said, okay, no, this is not imbalanced. This is a very balanced because we feel threatened and the Israeli also feel threatened. This is a kind of a balanced uh, logic. So that is something that uh, actually uh, make nobody safe. And on the other hand, we have to say this is a tragedy that has been lasted for decades, uh, a tragedy not only for the civil Israeli civilians and also not only for Israel country, but also for the local Palestinians as well as for the neighboring countries because it actually will influence everybody. So under this kind of the uh, uphold mm. spiral, uh, mutual threatened scenario, nobody will be safe. Mm that we should find a way out. When we talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, if we could use that phrase, in fact, it's not just about the two parties involved. It's very much about the nature of conflict in the Middle East and how outside parties are involved in the area. So, Mr. Wang, how do you look at the latest incident in a much bigger context? Uh, yes, you are right that if we are talking about Israeli and Palestinian crisis or Israeli Palestinian conflict, on the one hand, yes, we focus upon the two parties. They have their traditional hatred, they have their traditional problems, and their mechanism for their future peace is not still not being found. So that is, of course, the problem is still there. But on the other hand, you are right that there were still outside players. And especially on the one hand, these outside player will influence the, 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 the ongoing uh, problem of the Israeli and Palestinian. And on the other hand, the, the crisis and the conflicts between the Israelis and Palestinians will further influence their internal politics and internal social opinions. So uh, mm -hmm. I think yet yeah, we are we have already witnessed and still witnessing the peace process in the Middle East as the rapprochement between uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia and uh, also the the relation improved between Israel and Turkey, uh, Turkey and uh, for example Turkey and Saudi Arabia, Turkey and Iran, and also maybe possible uh, that normalization 
ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia. But we cannot forget that the Israel and the Palestinian conflict is still the very deeply rooted uh, problem in this region, mm. that uh, Palestinian and Israeli uh, problem or conflict cannot be ignored or forgotten into the corner with this uh, peace process. We cannot forget mm. this problem. It is still there. If this kind of the right. problem are not very well solved, just as with, with what we, have, we are witnessing, the mm. ongoing conflict between Israel and the Palestinians right now, uh, in the in the in the southern Israel, it will lead to a, another uh, negative factors that could prevent the ongoing uh, peace process mm -hmm. in the Middle East. So that is why we should still continue to focus upon this uh, this this Israeli uh, Palestinian uh, conflict and also to mm -hmm. help the local people there. Mr. Wang, how do you see an ever more complicated geopolitical landscape in our world today compared to, let's just say? 30 years ago, 20 years ago, when there were some of these significant events uh, related to Middle East peace happened, for example, at Camp David and etc. So now it seems that the geopolitical phenomenon and atmosphere can be quite different compared to then. So under the current circumstances, the latest conflict in the Middle East between the Palestinians and the Israelis, what would that mean for the other players? I think, yes, this is quite different when we, uh, what we're talking about the geopolitics circumstances right now mm. uh, in the Middle East and the circumstances uh, about 30 or 40 years ago, because we're talking about the geopolitics circumstances in about uh, 30 or 30 years ago, it is still kind of zero-sum circumstances, zero-sum thinking that dominated this region. So it means your uh, gain will be my loss and your win will be my lose. So against this backdrop, nobody will be the real winner. Everybody is competing with each other and everybody is trying to define self belonging to one or another a different uh, geopolitical local camps. So that against mm -hmm. this backdrop, it's very difficult, difficult to make peace. But during the past decades that you mentioned, a lot of things has changed. For example, much more international assistance are coming and much more international mediation efforts are coming. And also a, a several regional mechanism uh, has already grown up. For example, what we, if we are looking at Israel and Palestinian, we can see about the peace process started from 1993. And also we can witness the, the normalization ties between Israeli and uh, neighboring Arab states, especially between Israel and uh, Egypt in, in 1970, uh, 1978, and also Israeli uh, normalization ties with Jordan in 1994, and also in 20 to, uh, 2020, uh, four Arab, Arab countries Bahrain, uh, the UAE, the, the Morocco and Sudan, they also normalized ties with Israel. So this is the kind of new process in the Middle East and new thinking starting to, to come. But uh, but no matter what happened, I mean, it's really a Palestinian conflict. It's still the very foundation. It's still the very, very important uh, factor in this region. If we cannot mm -hmm. solve this problem, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, geopolitics uh, achievement, especially peaceful achievement, might be destroyed in the future. So we have still to focus our attention on this region, especially the ongoing crisis between Israel and the Palestinians. That's Professor Wang Jing on the latest conflict between Israel and Hamas. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Tian Wei on behalf of my team. Thanks for being with us. Bye for now. Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away.
stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, Mulan said, Marry me. Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back, and the dog swam across the broad river. In the company of friends and enemies and unimagined beasts. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell. Heroes and heroines all. It's incredible. How did you do that? Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished and the quick of mind. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts.